message is called The Ministry of Jesus. We're in Acts chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 8. Luke is writing. He says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. He's talking about the gospel of Luke, what he wrote. Until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. AJ, did you take care of that camera? Okay, good. Okay, so a little bit of background here. As I said before, uh, this is uh, the second part of Luke. Uh, writings in, in, the, in, the, in the Bible that we have, Luke, Acts, the New Testament. Luke was a physician uh, during the time of Jesus. Uh, he wasn't one of the original 12. He was a companion of Paul, and somewhere during his walk with God, he decided to compose a detailed account of what Jesus has done, had done while he was on the earth. That, we know, is the Gospel of Luke. But the second part of his work, the continuation, is what Jesus did after he ascended and went to the right hand of the Father. And that work that he did after he ascended is the work that he did through his church, which is you and I. This we know is the book of Acts. It is the Acts of God. Some people think it is the Acts of the Spirit of God through his people. In our text, Luke tells us exactly what he's doing in the writing of these books. And that's what we're going to examine today as we dive into this passage. So the first point we're going to look at is titled, Jesus' Ministry. Jesus' ministry, I should have had an apostrophe there, uh, my grammar is, is falling short tonight. But anyway, Jesus' ministry, Acts 1, 1 through 4, and again, just to read that, the former account, and he's writing to a guy named Theophilus, and uh, Theophilus, I can't remember what his name means, some people think it's a real person, some think people think it's a made-up person, uh, it means like somebody like a God-fearer or something like that, a uh, lover of God. That's what Theophilus means. It's from the word Theo, which means God, and Philo, which means love. And so they're not sure if it's a real person or if it's uh, just a, a character uh, that he made up to uh, be able to write the account as if he was writing to somebody. And the first account he made of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, that's the Gospel of Luke. And um, this account is the book of Acts, what we know is the book of Acts. Uh, and in this account, uh, we're going to be looking at what God did through his church. As we said before, Jesus was and is God, but his work, his ministry on the earth, was not done as God, but as a man empowered by the Spirit of God. From beginning to end, Jesus had a Spirit-empowered ministry. Matthew 1.18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Mary was his mother. The Holy Spirit was uh, uh, the, um, uh, the, the one that brought the child into fruition 
through Mary, so he was God, he was man. He was the God-man, 100% God, 100% man. Luke 3, 21 through 22, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and while he prayed, the heaven was open. Remember, he was a birth of the Spirit. He carried the Spirit of God. He was never in sin, never outside of sin, so from the moment that he was conceived to the moment uh, uh, that he died, the Holy Spirit was in him. And in this particular text, John witnesses the Holy Spirit descending in bodily form like a dove and coming upon him. And a voice came from heaven which says, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. So there's two aspects of the Spirit of God and its ministry in Jesus. The Spirit of God was in him, and the Spirit of God came upon him. So Luke 4, 18 and 19, after the Spirit of God came upon him, after he went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, he went into the wilderness full of the Spirit. He came into the, out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit because of his consecration and, 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 and unwavering devotion to follow his Father. He came out in the power of the Spirit, and he says in Luke 4, 18 and 19, and this is really the, the guiding uh, uh, vision for his ministry, he said, the Spirit of God is upon me because he's anointed me. How did he anoint him? The Spirit of God came upon him. So it's the anointing of the Spirit of God that came upon him to help him to do what? Now remember, you, we understand he's God, but he's not functioning on this planet as God. As I told you before, he's functioning on this planet as a man. How did he preach the gospel? He was anointed to preach. That means the Spirit of God on his life helped him to do what he did. He was anointed to preach the gospel. He was anointed to heal the brokenhearted. He was anointed to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. How was he anointed? The Spirit of God was upon him to help him to do these things. Right? So we see two components to Jesus' ministry. By the help of the Spirit of God, Jesus taught, he proclaimed, uh, or he taught, he preached, or he taught, and the second thing that Jesus, uh, uh, part of his ministry, is Jesus did. He did works. He acted. Very simple. Spoke, and he did. Now, how many of you know we have a lot of people that can talk, but they don't do? <laughs> then you got a lot of people that will do, but they don't talk. Jesus taught, and he did, right? Mark 1, 21 through 27. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue, and he taught. What did he teach? taught the Word of God. He was the Word of God. The Word became flesh, right? He was the Word of God, and he taught the Word of God. And they were astonished, the people that were listening to him were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Who were the scribes? Those were the ones that had been teaching them. Those were the ones that graduated from uh, seminary as teachers, they taught the scriptures, but they didn't teach the way Jesus taught because Jesus taught as one having authority. Why did he have authority? Because he uh, was sent from God. But also, even though it doesn't say in there, Jesus had something they didn't have. He was anointed by the Spirit to proclaim. Right? Now, while he was doing that, there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. 
they were all amazed, so they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. So two things here. Uh, one is he was teaching them, but he wasn't just teaching, he was also doing. He was demonstrating, right? He was bringing, uh, uh, you know, like I said, he wasn't all talk. He was bringing the talk into manifestation. Acts 10.38 says it this way, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went around, we know he went around teaching, but not only was he going around teaching, he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Isaiah 61.3-4. This is the second part of Isaiah 61, which he had quoted when he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news to the gospel. Well, if we were, that passage that he quoted came from Isaiah 61, 1 through, 1 through 3. And so we're going to look at the, second, the, the rest of verses 3 and 4, the rest of that passage, because it kicks me into the second point I want to look at. So Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the sick, you know, those kind of things. And then he goes on, he says, to condole, console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they, who's they? Those people that he ministered to, the people that he taught, the people that he ministered to, the people that he healed, the people that he delivered, the people that he set free, they shall rebuild the old ruins, they shall raise up the former desolations, they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. And how are they going to do that? Well, first of all, let's go into the they. Second point I have here is the apostles' ministry. Okay? So you have Jesus' ministry, and now Jesus did a work within the people of God of his time, and then he called 12 people to himself, and he designated them as apostles, and we're going to look at their ministry now, Acts 1 through, 1 through 8, being assembled together with them, who the disciples of which the 12 apostles were, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. And it's interesting to me, uh, um, and I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but the church is so consumed with the times and the seasons when Jesus is coming back, and they're not, because they're so consumed with that, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is to teach and to do. Right? Right? We're looking up into the heavens, and the angels of God are saying, why are you looking up into the heavens? You need to be about doing what Jesus told us to do. We need to be about teaching and doing the works of Jesus. Anyway, let me get back. All right. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Like Jesus, the apostles' ministry was also spirit-empowered from beginning to to end. They were to be born of the Spirit, and they were also to minister or to witness in the power of the Spirit. Remember the two components of Jesus' ministry? He taught and he did. How did he do that? Empowered by the Spirit of God, right? Well, he's God. I already told you that. Yes, he was, but when he functioned on this planet, he functioned as a man complete 100% man empowered by the Spirit of God everything he did, he did by the Spirit of God how did he heal the sick? Spirit of God 
How did he preach? Spirit of God. How did he, how did he do? Spirit of God. Everything he did by the Spirit of God. And Jesus is our Savior. He's our Lord, but he's also our example. And what we're going to find is the apostles who were with him for three and a half years and then uh, uh, called to, to go and to do ministry. They also, like Jesus, because they were 100% men, were to do the work of God how? Uh, they were to be born of the Spirit, and they were to be empowered of the Spirit. Now you say, well, wait a minute, born of the Spirit. I never saw where the, Spirit, the, the apostles were born of the Spirit. Well, Jesus taught in John 3 and 3, you cannot enter the kingdom of God in heaven until you're born again, right? Well, how come I didn't see them get born again? Because the Spirit of God hadn't been poured out yet. And I'm not talking about the empowerment of the Spirit. I'm talking about the Spirit of God released so that people could be born again because Jesus had not ascended to the Father yet. So when he ascended to the Father in John 20 and 22, we see this little verse that says something quite deep and significant for us. Uh, he came back. He was talking to the apostles, talking to the disciples. And when he had said this, he was talking to them. He said when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is before Jerusalem and Acts 1 and 8. This is before that. So what was happening here, all that Jesus taught was now coming to fruition. And I believe then the Spirit of God took up residence in the apostles and the disciples. And so in our terminology, they were born again. Right? They had been walking with Jesus, but they hadn't been born again because the Spirit of God had not yet descended. But now that the Spirit of God had descended, they were born again when he breathed on them, right? Now, having been born again, that's when we, brought to, we came to Acts, and being assembled together, he said to them, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, and as we already saw, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit not comes in you, because the Holy Spirit's already in you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth right? And how did that happen? Now remember, he already breathed on them. They're already born again. Tells them to wait for the promise of the Father that was going to come upon them uh, uh, not many days from now. We know that now, not many days from now. They didn't know that then. But in Acts 2, 1 and 4, what happened when the day of Pentecost had fully come? They were all in a Honda. No. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And another place it says they began to prophesy, you know, and uh, they began to speak with other tongues. So um, they were filled with the Spirit, born again. They were baptized with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. And what we're going to see is that as with the Lord, there would be two components to their ministry, which is a Spirit-empowered ministry. And those two components would be that the apostles were going to teach. What do you think that second part is? The apostles are going to do. Not deep. This is not a deep message, right? It's not deep, but it's very simple. But, you know, sometimes we need simple, right? There was a guy, um, there was a guy in the middle of a battle. There was a, a commanding officer, and his troops were around him. And they're in this middle of this firefight. They're in a foxhole. And while the battle is raging, uh, the commander would get off to himself. He would just cuddle up into a ball. And it seemed like for, for a while, he would just go into himself. 
and his soldiers were watching this and they were going what in the world is going on after the battle was over they reported that to their commander and the commander brings him in and he says I've been it's re reported that during the middle of the battle you would go off and hide and get into yourself and you know uh, it's disturbing what was going on and he said well during the middle of the battle what I would do is I would I would get, uh, get off to myself and I would say to myself I would ask these three questions what's happening what's not happening and what can I do about it now why is why is that uh, important for us because if it's just three easy simple things that you can remember anytime what's happening what's not happening and what can I do about it and so the commanding officer of him was so impressed that he instilled that for everybody to learn those principles Anytime you're in a firefight, anytime you're in a difficult situation, ask yourselves what's happening. And we can, under, we can do that too. When you're going through the middle of a battle, you need to stop and ask yourself, very simple, uh, easy, easy thing, what's really happening? I know what I think is happening, but what's really happening? And then, what's not happening? Because the enemy's there, and every fear is there, all that's there to tell you, man, you're going to die, you're going to do this. Is, is that happening now? No, but you're in the middle of a firefight, you're in the middle of a battle, and so sometimes you just have to ask yourself, what's not happening? And then boil it down to, what can I do about it? Right? So this message isn't deep, but it's not meant to be deep. It's just meant to give you a couple of principles. You can go back and you say, well, am I teaching? Am I doing? Right? All you got to know, no matter where you're at, what you're doing, Jesus taught, he did. The apostles taught, the apostles did. Uh-oh, I gave up my sermon, you can leave. All right. Well, let's go ahead and finish anyway, right? There were two components to the apostles' ministry. They taught and they acted. They did, right? Luke 9, 1 through 6, he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach. What do you do when you preach? You teach, preach, you proclaim, you open your mouth, you talk, right? To talk about the kingdom of God, because sometimes that word preach, it throws us off. Because we think to ourselves, I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher, you just have to be a talker. And I know every one of you, and every one of you, some of you more than others, talk. AJ, stop pointing at Bobby. <laughs> Every one of you has the capacity to talk, right? So we're not asking you to do something. The Bible's not asking you to do something. God's not asking you to do something you don't already have the capacity to do. What you do need is you need the empowerment of God to talk about what God wants us to talk about, which is the kingdom of God, right? So he sent the apostles to preach the kingdom and to do. what In this particular context, it's to heal the sick. Now, in the book of Luke, in another gospel, when it's talking about healing the sick, it's, it includes within that casting out devils, right? And he said to them, take nothing for the journey, staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there from there and, and from there depart, and wherever, whoever will not receive you, when you go out of the city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. But that's the, the one I wanted to get to is verse 6. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel. So what were they doing? Talking and healing everywhere. So what were they doing? They were doing. They were acting, right? So we've seen that Jesus' ministry was a spirit-empowered ministry 
from the beginning to the end, and he's two components of his ministry is he taught and he did. He also equipped the apostles whom he had called to continue the ministry, and they too, spirit-empowered, uh, uh, were to follow his pattern, and that pattern is what? To teach and to do, right? So that brings us to today. What about our ministry? What about the ministry of today? Now, in Acts 2, 38-39, after Peter preached on that day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God was poured out on the people that were there, Peter got up and he said, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You might be saying to yourself, but he's talking to them. Yes, he is. But he says, The promise is to you and to your children, and in case that doesn't include anybody there, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. How many of y'all believe you've been called by God into the kingdom? How many of you are, were afar off from this time in, uh, in, in time, right? We were all. So this includes us. What is this promise? You, like the apostles, like the disciples, like Jesus, right, are to be spirit-empowered. Now, my contention, now, I understand different denominations, uh, they don't necessarily cut this out. They just kind of change what the meaning of being spirit-empowered is. When you get saved, you're, you're spirit-filled, and you're, I mean, you're, you're born again, and you're spirit-empowered. Uh, I don't see it that way. Our denomination doesn't see it that way. The way we believe is that when you're born again, the Spirit of God is in you. When you receive the baptism of the Spirit, the Spirit comes upon you. When the Spirit comes upon you, the Spirit of God in you is for you. The Spirit of God upon you is for others. And when the Spirit of God comes upon you, it activates the giftings of the Spirit of God. To uh, and, and actually another way of describing it is the empowerment of the Spirit of God. The empowerments of God, it activates it in your life so that when you go around your everyday walk, your everyday journey, as you go make disciples, how am I going to do that? Through the Spirit of God that's in you and the Spirit of God that is on you. We are called, in my opinion, the way I read the Bible, we are called to have a Spirit-empowered ministry. Well, you say, well, I'm not called to the ministry. Yes, you are. You just don't understand what the word ministry means. The word ministry comes from the word diakonia. The word diakonia means to serve. Every one of us is called to serve. Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Well, I'm not called to serve. Yes, you are. If you're a disciple, and our, our, our mission here is uh, heaven invading earth, our, our vision is to discover, develop, and deploy disciples into their divine destiny. Now listen, you can't become a disciple until you become a convert, but I'm not interested in just making converts. I want to make disciples. And what is a disciple? He that would come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after me. We've got to become like him. And what was he like? He didn't come to serve, but I mean to be served, but to serve. Knowing who he was, knowing who he was going, he knew he was God. He knew he was going to a cross, but he was going to be resurrected and go to the right hand of the Father and take up his position once again, King of kings and Lord of lords over the entire universe, over, I don't know, uh, uh, everything ever created. He was king, but yet in his, 
godhood, in his kinghood, knowing who he was, he takes off his robe, wraps it around himself, takes water, and washes the disciples' feet. You know what that is, serving, it's diakonia in. Ministry is not, uh, uh, you know, what you think it is. Ministry is just serving. Now, we can serve, uh, in, in Acts chapter 6, we can serve tables where they were had a ministry of, of, of helping the widows uh, uh, to eat. That's called serving. They were serving tables, or that the apostles served too, but they just realized it's not that they're against serving tables, but they can't serve tables and serve the word because their ministry was to serve the word. In order to serve tables, you've got to do what? You've got to find the food. You've got to cook the food. You've got to package the food. I know this because I saw the ladies do this when they're given to the, to, to, uh, to, to the ladies in our church that needed some help. Then they've got to uh, get it together in a bag. They've got to go to the house. They've got to distribute the food. They've got to do all that, right? Well, that's serving. Well, I don't know if you know that, but people, people that have preached the word and, and are doing it effectively and doing it uh, the way Jesus wants us to do it, we've got to gather the food. We've got to collect the food. We've got to arrange it. We've got to serve it. Same way, right? So the apostles had a ministry of serving, but they served the word. We all serve in different capacities, but what's important is that we all, diakonia, we all serve. And so if we all serve, are we good there? Are, can, we, can we just agree that we all serve in some way? That word serve is translated ministry, and so if we all serve, we all have a ministry. Because we all serve. Don't get hung up with the word ministry. It just means to serve right so how do we serve right we have to learn how to serve the world around us we serve what god has given to us and what i'm trying to get you to realize is that what god has given to us is not just natural talent and natural ability but he has supernaturally empowered us to give away what he has empowered us with now how are we going to do that how are we going to like the jesus like the disciples uh, the apostles how are we going to function in a spirit-empowered ministry well first of all we got to be born again you got to be born of the spirit right if you want to have a spirit-empowered ministry you can't be outside of the spirit and have a spirit-empowered ministry you got to have the spirit you got to be in the spirit the spirit of god has to take a residence inside of you being a christian is not going to a church that's the vernacular for today but you can go to the church and be lost as all get out you can call yourself a Christian and not be anywhere near the kingdom of God on a journey to hell because it's not what you call yourself. What makes me a Christian is I'm born again. I've confessed my sins. I believe in Jesus and Jesus only is the savior of my soul. I dedicate my life to him. I give my life to him. I confess my sins to him. He forgives me of my sins and cleanses me of all unrighteousness. I become a dwelling place of God and the spirit of God now comes inside of me and takes up residence in me Jesus said it this way John 3 3 through 8 Jesus answered and said to him most assuredly I say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God Nicodemus a ruler of the people a teacher one of those scribes who taught without the authority like Jesus had said 
to Jesus, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water, and by the way, where are children carried in their mother's womb? They're carried in a sack of water. That's why when a baby's about to be born, the mother says, my water's broke. Right? They must be born of water, right? And, uh, and the Spirit. Unless you're born of water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. So we need to be born into this world. All of us qualify for that. Right? So that's the first qualification. And then we need to be born of the spirit. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Well, how do I become born of the Spirit? You've got to get saved. You've got to call upon Jesus. When I call upon Jesus, something supernatural takes place, and I am transferred from the, kingdom of, from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. Because the Spirit of God, I am cleansed of my sins, and the Spirit of God, as I said before, takes up residence within me. And so when I say that I'm saved, what I'm really saying is that I am now in Christ, and in some way the Spirit of God is in me. The, the Romans 10, 13, the easy way of saying that, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be say i gotta call on jesus now not only do we have to be born again but we also like jesus like first century believers we need to be baptized and empowered by the spirit and it's part and parcel with the gospel it is the gospel right to me it's not hey you don't have to, that's, you know, that's, that's what Pentecostals believe, but that's not really the central focus of the gospel. No, the central focus of the gospel for me is that you become spirit-empowered Christians, spirit-empowered believers. Jesus didn't just die for you to go to heaven. That's important. It is part of the gospel, but Jesus died so that the Spirit of God could enter into you and that you could function in the supernatural graces of God that he that that if we allow flow through us my opinion Acts 19 1 through 7 Paul how many of you know Paul wrote scriptures right not all of them but he wrote a lot of the scriptures when he came to Corinth he came to the upper regions of Ephesus and finding some disciples he said to them did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed?" so they believed already right but then what did you say? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they said, we haven't even heard whether this is the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, then what were you baptized into? They said, into the baptism of John. Paul said, John, indeed, baptized with the baptism of repentance is what they had received, saying to the people that they should believe on him and who would come after him, that is, on Christ. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. Now, the men were about 12 in all. Why do I read that? Because when Paul got to a place where the gospel had been preached, he recognized, yes, the gospel has been preached, but not in its fullness. Something's missing. And immediately, because Paul was a foundation layer, made sure he laid the foundation, immediately he said to himself, as he talked to them, these people don't have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. How does he know? Because he asked them, do you have the baptism in the Holy Spirit? They said no. He said, well, the whole reason Jesus came was so that you could have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
John baptized with water into repentance, but Jesus baptized with the Spirit. And when he realized that they were lacking in that, immediately he led them into the fullness of the empowerment of the Spirit of God. And what happened? The Holy Spirit came up. He laid hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke with tongues and they prophesied. And that's important but, but the, because prophecy is an enablement. It's, a, it's an empowerment of the Spirit of God. And it's, a, a, it's, it's, a, it's a, um, an outflowing of what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So what happens when I receive this power? You now have the capacity to have words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits. And if you had them before you got, God can do anything. The Spirit of God still lives in you. But what you find is the dam breaks. Right? When you're empowered by the Spirit of God. You have gift, gifts of faith, gifts of healings, workings of miracles, right? Tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophesying. All these things begin to function in your life. And they should function in your life. And we should become more proficient at flowing with the Spirit of God because this is how we're going to reach this world for Jesus. As with Jesus and with the apostles, there are two components to our, what I contend, what we should have is a Spirit-empowered ministry, and there are two components to that Spirit-empowered ministry. One is we are to teach. And I say, don't get hung up on that word, teach. Let's say it this way. We are to talk. What do we talk about? Talk about the weather. Talk about golf. Talk about the NBA. So you can start there, but that's not supposed to be the focus of what we talk about. What we're supposed to talk about is the most important thing in this universe, and that's Jesus. Right? How will they believe if they have not heard? How will they hear unless someone speaks to them? What I'm contending is that every last Christian, now I know I'm speaking to people in this church, but my contention is every last person on this planet that calls himself a Christian is supposed to have a spirit-empowered ministry, and part of that ministry is every single one of us in some way needs to be a talker about Jesus. We need to talk to people about Jesus, right? And the second thing we need to do is we need to do, right? We need to do what? We need to do the works of Jesus, right? Matthew 28, 19, 20, Jesus said this way, that go therefore, another way of saying that, as you go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit. How am I going to do that? Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, right? All that you do. You do, and you teach, and they will hear, and they will do. Right? But if we don't talk, how will they, uh, 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 what is it? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Paul said at the very beginning, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto the salvation of those who believe. They put their faith in the good news of Jesus Christ. How are they going to put faith in something they haven't heard? So we have to talk. If Smith Wigglesworth was here today, I know, uh, not Smith Charles Finney, I've been reading a lot about Charles Finney. 
And I don't think you'd like to have Charles Finney as your pastor. Because he would sit up here, I don't do this, I, I, I don't, but he would say, I saw you in the store the other day, you call yourself a Christian, this is what you were talking about. You were talking to him, you were cussing, you were doing all these kind of things, you weren't glorifying the name of Jesus. <gasps> right? Now, I won't do that, but I will ask you, what do you talk about? If Jesus was hanging around what you talk about, how you talk, would he be glorified? I'm not saying we don't make mistakes. I'm not saying you can't talk about everyday things in life. I'm not saying you can't have normal conversations. But I'm saying if Jesus were witnessing our conversations, would there be moments in our walk where he would be pleased with us? Where we tell others that he's concerned about, about his love for them the same way someone told us about his love for us. I'm not coming on Wednesday nights anymore. So we're supposed to teach, but not only are we supposed to teach, we're supposed to do. What kind of things are we supposed to do? Well, I don't have this in there, but it says in James, uh, pure religion undefiled is this, to care for the widows and the orphans in their distress. We're supposed to do natural things, right? Uh, you are the light of the world, a city that's set on a hill. Uh, uh, you know, uh, um, you don't put a light under a basket. A city set on the hill gives light to all. In the same way, let uh, those let them see your good works, that they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. So the things that we do, we've got to do good works. We've got to help the poor. We've got to do the Christmas blessings. We've got to go out there, and we've got to uh, be involved in the schools, be involved in the pregnancy health center. These are natural things that we can do, but that's not all. Jesus said in John 14 and 12, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. Well, what kind of works did he do? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils. And you might say to yourself, well, that's Jesus. I can't do those things. Well, you missed the whole message. Jesus didn't do it because he was God. He did it because he was empowered by the Spirit of God. And then he empowered the apostles to do it with the same Spirit of God. And now we're empowered by the Spirit of God to do what? What we can't do on our own, but what he did, we're to do. How am I going to do that? We're supposed to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out. How am I going to do that? Through the Spirit of God that rests and resides upon us. Right? Mark 16, 15 through 18, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So you got to talk. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And we're talking about heaven and hell here. The difference between heaven and hell. You believe, heaven. You don't, hell. We need to understand the gravity of eternal consequences and the importance of of what God has called us into. He is the savior of this world, gave his life to save people, and we are his hand extended. His ministry, I will tell you at the end, never stopped. He is still concerned with the lost. 
He is still an issue of heaven and hell. He's not on this earth, but now he has a multitude of himself on the earth because Christ lives in us and his ministry is to continue through us and through us his desire is that we would go out and we would teach and we would do and we would talk to people about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God would be manifest in their lives and they would be saved, healed, delivered, and set free. And these signs will follow those who believe. Not who believe in Jesus. Who believe that these signs will follow those who believe. There's a lot of people who believe in Jesus that don't believe these signs will follow them. Jesus wants us to believe in him, but also to believe that these signs will follow us. What are those signs? They'll cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. As I said before, Jesus never intended his ministry to stop. John 17, 14 through 18. He's talking to his father. He's about to go home. This is called a high priestly prayer, uh, his ascension prayer to the father right before he goes to the cross. And he says to the father in John 17, 14 through 18, one of the things he says out of many, he says, I've given them, my disciples, your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not pray, however, I threw the however in there, that you should take them out of the world, but I pray that you would keep them from the evil one while they're in the world. And this is if I was writing the Amplified, this is what I would add here, okay? So they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, that's the goal, right? It's where we want to get to that we, like Christ, are not of this world. Too many of us come to church and we are of this world. Jesus paid a price so that we would not be of this world anymore. This word sanctification is a, uh, a bad word for a lot of Christians. But Jesus didn't pour out his grace for us to continue sinning. He poured out his grace so that we can emp be empowered to overcome sin right? Doesn't mean we don't mess up. We mess up. We're human. We're people. But we don't give permission to mess up. We are repentant when we mess up. We realize this isn't God's desire. What God wants for us is that when people see us, they see Jesus. All right? Then he goes on, he says in verse 16, they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is true, right? Let them be like me. Let my word be in them. Why? Because as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Who is he talking about when he says them? Us. The word sent, I haven't done the Greek, but I think I've done it before. The word sent is the word apostello. It's from where you get the word apostle. It's like the word ambassador in our language. We have a divine commission not to get out of the world, but to go into the world to, to tell them and to demonstrate Jesus and the kingdom of God. As I said before, our mission is not heaven. Our mission is earth. Heaven is our destination. If you are, uh, if you are faithful to the mission Heaven is your reward. But here 
what I'm saying? Faithful to God, you don't have to worry about your destination. You're going to get there. Too many people are worried about where they're going to get, and they're not doing the works of Jesus, and because they're not doing the works of Jesus, my contention is you're compromising whether or not you're going to get there. But if you do the works of Jesus, if you do what we're called to do, if you function as, as Jesus intended it for us to function, and we talk about the Lord, we uh, uh, minister uh, in the power of the Lord to those around us, not only are you going to see people saved, healed, delivered, and set free, but you're going to see the kingdom of God demonstrated in the world around us. Jesus' light is going to shine. The glory of God has risen upon us. And I believe as we do these things, it's going to glorify God, and we are, we are positioning ourselves to stand before God one day and for him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Right? Now, I'm not saying you earn uh, uh, your place in heaven. What I'm saying is that your works are a fruit of what God is doing in your life. If you say you're a Christian and you have no fruit, John would say in the book of First uh, John, he would say, if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, he would say, if he was here today, he'd say, you lie, 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 lie. Right? Liar, liar, but, but liar, liar. Your fruit, your deeds, have to match what you say, right? Like Jesus, our assignment is through the empowerment of the Spirit to teach him to do the works of the Lord Jesus, that he might be made known and his name would be glorified in the earth. Because that is his desire. That is his will. That is what he has commissioned us to to do. And I believe it says in the work, book of Isaiah, he says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But, because we are like, oh, the darkness, oh, the darkness, it's getting dark, it's getting darker, it's getting dark. And the church shouldn't be talking about darkness, because Jesus said, but, the Lord will arise on you. We're looking for the Lord to arise uh, in the government. We're looking for the Lord to arise, you know, uh, in some fashion in this planet, but you don't realize the Lord arises upon you, right? And his glory will be seen upon you. So what if I want the, the, the Lord to arise in government, then the Lord's glory that is on you has to go into government. Well, what if I want the glory of the Lord to arise in the school? Then the glory of the Lord that arises on you has to go with you into the school. What if I want the glory of the Lord to arise in BASF and Dow? Then the glory of the Lord that rises, rises upon you needs to go in there with the glory of the Lord. Because the glory of the Lord has arisen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your bright. Very simple message, spirit-empowered, to say, talk, and to act or to do. Amen? All right. Lord, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that is in your word. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to talk. Thank you, Lord. You've given that ministry to me and to us, and we're grateful. Now I pray that as we turn our attention to do, 
that you would be with us to do the works that you did, that you would save, heal, deliver, and set your people free, Lord, tonight and as we go forth from this place in Jesus' mighty name. May the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious toward you, turn his face toward you, and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen.